All right, let, um, I think we can rise to our feet now. Let's uh, read from the book of um, Psalms, chapter what? 33. All right, Psalm 33. We are reading from verse 3, and we are reading to verse 12. Please, I just um, need to remind us of what we are doing. It's not a religious um, activity, thank you. Not just something we do before we start. Uh, I have uh, two things in mind. First, because it's right to do it. And what is that? To declare the word of God into the air and energize the angels to do what God wants them to do. Number two, my own second aim here is to teach us the habit. And I'm hoping that as individuals, as uh, families, we'll take it up at least twice in a day. Once in the morning and once in the evening. If you do it five times a day, good. Seven times a day. But the best time is to do it like 100 times a day, all right? On count, you just keep doing it. But minimum, take two times a day. So that's the second aim that I have uh, for this. So let's start from verse um, 3, and we'll read all the way to verse um, 12. Again, let's try to use the same translation. If you don't have the one, we use standardly. Please step and join with somebody. Are you ready? Yes, sir. If you are ready, say amen. Amen. If you are not, say please wait for me. All right, so we are ready. One, two, let's go. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and he stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Does it not feel sweet? I don't know about you. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. I really enjoyed reading it. He said, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He said in verse 10, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plan of his heart from generation to generation. We ended it with verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is a home that recognizes Jesus as their Lord. Amen. They are the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is that individual that knows Jesus as the Lord. Amen. Yes, that fellow is the Lord's inheritance. Amen. So the Lord's portion is his people. Imagine that you are the precious thing that God is looking out for. I think it feels good. You feel very important. You know, I was just reviewing our book, one of our books today, and I got to a portion. I said, wow. He said, make the garment of Aaron for glory and for beauty. I quoted from good news. He said, for dignity. And for beauty, for dignity and for beauty, uh, beauty. Then I realized that there is no beauty without dignity. I hope you're getting my point. 
In that portion, we're talking about how people should dress. So I said, especially women. And if you need dressing, no matter how beautiful you look to yourself, ask yourself, how dignified do I look? I don't know whether you're getting my point. So I was coming up just now. I saw one woman down there. I said, even how lots will be ashamed of this one. <laughs> we don't spoil this business. <laughs> so there's no dignity. Nobody will treat you with respect. What am I going to explain? Think of yourself as somebody that God holds in high esteem. Something that is precious to the Lord. I hope you're getting my point. So anytime you want to carry yourself, just think about it. That's the point I'm trying to make. He said to us, verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we adapt to it. Even the individual is like that. He said, the people who he has chosen for his own inheritance. Remember, the Lord's portion is his people. And Israel is the allotment of his inheritance. I feel good. I don't know about you. If you feel good, say amen. Amen. Say it, I feel good. I feel good. Loved by the Lord. The Lord's precious possession. I just imagine that the Lord finishes dressing. So let me put one nice chain around my neck and he wears me around his neck. Yeah, that's what he does. That's why he calls himself by people's names. You hear the God of Abraham. That is, I'm going out. Give me Abraham. He hangs Abraham around his neck to describe his character. I don't know whether you're getting the point. He said, the God of Isaac. God is going for a party in the evening. After dressing up, he said, give me Isaac. And he wears Isaac as a bracelet to describe his character. Say the God of Jacob. I hope you're getting my point. And when it came to the New Testament, they said, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So anytime he wants to show himself off, he shows Jesus off. And in this generation, we are the ones that represent God in that dimension. I hope you're getting my point. Think about it like that. Anytime you are going out, know that God has to wear you. (laughs) I hope you're getting my point. So when you are dealing with people, know that you are the bracelet the Lord is wearing. You are the necklace around his neck. You must reflect him. You must reflect him. All right, let's read a few verses again. Read from verse 10. From verse, um, where, 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 where are we just now? Yeah, no, which verse? I want to pick one particular verse. Okay, let's just read verses 11 and 12. All right? Are you, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, let's start from 10. All right? 10, 11, 12. Let's read it once again. The counsel of the nations, he frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we are taking our seats in a moment. Before we do that, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. Are we ready? Yes. Alright, one, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. All right, the Lord is good. Lord is let's take our seats. And we will soon rise up to start praying again, but let's just speak for a short while. Intercession by faith. That's what we have been looking at. Intercession by faith. Please, even if do I, I may sound um, like I'm repeating myself, I need us to just bear with me. Remember, now this is a repetition I'm starting, Okay. <laughs> Let me time myself today. 
the first repetition was not more than three minutes. The next one was three minutes. The last one, three minutes. Then we'll go on ten minutes maximum. We'll be done with repeating ourselves. Remember, what God wants to do on this earth requires his people. In that regard, he often describes them as prophets. And prophecies come, therefore, in two dimensions. The first one is God revealing to the prophets. I hope you're getting my point. Then the second one is the prophet declaring it into the air so that the spirits in the air will hear, so that the people on the, air, on the earth may hear. Those are the two dimensions of prophecy. First, God reveals his plan to his servants, the prophets. I hope you're getting my point. Surely the Lord does nothing except he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. That is the first dimension. The second one is when the prophets now take the word, now say, son of man, prophesy. You understand? So you now see a man like Ezekiel begin to declare to the bones, declare to the wind, speak words into the air. After God had told him, can these bones live? And they've had their discussion. So the first is the revelation of God's heart to Ezekiel. Then Ezekiel begins to command those things into the um, earth. Now, let me remind us again, the will of God is not done automatically. The will of God is done when the necessary um, portions are supplied by the people of God. Anytime God gives us a revelation, he's telling us, prepare for this. Do your part in bringing this to pass. Did you hear what I said? Let me say that again. Anytime God gives a revelation, what he's saying in effect is, prepare for this. One, two, do your part in bringing it to pass. Now, when I say do your part, you must know what your part is. Your part is, if God says, now, I'm going to make, let's say as an example, this city a beautiful city. It is to go and buy the land and start building beauty into it. I hope you're getting my point. That's not what I call your part. What I mean is I accept that, and then you ask yourself, what does it take for God to release beauty into a place? Do you follow my point? For example, you may say that the place must have justice and righteousness. So, a number of things. One, you start praying about that prophecy. Two, you start praying that justice and righteousness will be established so that God might beautify the place. Do you follow my point? You do not focus on the beauty itself. Your focus now will be on what? Justice and righteousness. Why? Because it's like this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the fulfillment of the prophecy will be what? Added to it. Are you getting me? Listen, that's the way it works. You see, let me give an example. When it was time to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt, there were so many factors that were important. One of them was that the people must want to go. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah. It was a major problem in Egypt. People did not want to go. They were supposed to, listen, let me just digress briefly. Some of the persecutions people face eh, is that they are not willing to move in the direction of God's will. The ideal thing would have been, now this is the ideal, all right? It would have been that a prophet will come to the people of Israel and say to them, it is time to return because there is a plan that God has which our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were or are part of the plan, and we are an extension of that covenant. Now, that plan will be fulfilled when we return to the land that he promised. I hope you're getting my point. To Abraham, our father. And that we came over here. Now, this is the ideal. It doesn't work like this. We came over here so that we'll be kept away from uh, defilement until the iniquity of the Amorite will be full. Right now, the iniquity is complete. 
Now we are going to return and take the land from them by force. I hope you're getting my point. Because the Lord will give us victory. That's the ideal thing. And then they will all settle down and start winding down their businesses. And be kissing their Egyptian neighbors. Oh, bye-bye. Oh, love you guys. See you another time. Come over to the land of Canaan and visit us once in a while. Oh, my, come over here once in a while to greet. But that's not going to happen. You know why? Because human beings are human beings. While Egypt is prospering, he gave me this kind of revelation. Was I there when God was discussing with Abraham? Was I there when he was discussing with Isaac and Jacob? So I should wind down my business in Egypt. And as I move to one land and to go and take it from uh, who? Who did you say again? Amorite? Perizzite? Hittite? Jebusite? Ah, and you're looking at, for what? What's wrong with sitting down here in Goshen? So one of the things the Lord does is to agitate the people. Suddenly, Goshen becomes uncomfortable. The prosperity of Israel in Egypt becomes a problem to the Egyptians all of a sudden. Then they start waking up to say, why are these people prospering more than us? And they start shaking the, Egyptian, the Israelites. Then persecution will start. After a while, the people will cry for deliverance. We are tired of this place. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, we are tired. We want to go. So when Moses came and said, let us go, they were not ready. Moses was on his own. He did one small act of uh, activism. He said, ah, what did they worry this guy? Let's see how we can negotiate with the Egyptians and remain in peace. They did not understand that, listen, this is not the place of your rest. You have to move. So for 40 years, their lot kept on getting worse in that place. And then when next Moses showed up, with the word of deliverance, they obeyed him. There was enough of them now to agree to go with Moses. Now, not as if God could not have delivered them beforehand, but God doesn't force deliverance on people. I hope you're getting my point. He doesn't force deliverance on people. He doesn't. All right? Like I said, it's just an aside. Bear that in mind. So sometimes God will agitate until his will becomes our desire. That is, he will agitate us, shake us. That's what I'm going to say until his will becomes our desire. Many problems we go through in life, we go through them because God has to, it is so, it's, as if, it's our stubbornness, it's not as if he can't talk. He can talk. But we are so stubborn. Oh God, God, cure, cure me of stubbornness. Let I pray, I'll give you five seconds to pray your own. Oh, you are feeling righteous, sit down there, look at the apostles, feeling very holy. Let I pray, God, cure me of stubbornness. You are very stubborn. You are very stubborn, you. Yusuf, you are very stubborn. All, all the people here, even these children, everybody here, even this man of God, stubborn. Now, yeah, pray. You have a few seconds. Say, Lord, kill me of stubbornness. Me too, Lord. Kill me of stubbornness. In Jesus' name. You know why we have to pray like that? Our lives become easier. God finds it easier to move. Man- that is, he doesn't have to send Egyptians to come and disturb your soul. You just tap your small, say, you have chopped life enough in Egypt, too. You say, Lord, amen, amen. Normal human, you say, ah, this fine house was just completed last year. You say, no, Lord, you can have the house. Then that's what I mean, that's what I mean by stuff. It's human. It's not, that's what all of us have to be. That's what I was pointing at virtually everybody here, including myself. If I didn't point at you just because I didn't have the time. Everybody, you are smiling. Stubbornness. <laughs> so that's why we need to pray it. I hope you're getting my points. Yes, because that is why sometimes the Lord you know, has to shake us 
by force. I hope you are getting my point. Now, so, back to, no, I said that's a digression. Now, back to where we began from. So, prophecy, prophesying, what we are doing is that we are not declaring, we are not declaring the will of God. And we start enforcing that through prophecy. So, when God says do something, I don't mean we physically go. We start preparing. We start preparing our hearts. One of the preparations is that, that issue of yielding, making our desires the same as God's desires. And you have to learn desire in life. That's another thing. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Yeah, you have to learn desire. Yeah, you have to learn desire. What do I mean by that? You have to learn what to want. You don't just allow what you want naturally to control what you want. Is that my English good? Don't allow what you want naturally to control what you want. That's what the Bible calls the things that are excellent. You have to learn to want them. You have to learn to want it, what God wants. Do you follow my point? So, and it's one of the things I, I do. God helping me. When I read the scriptures, I mark them once in a while. Anything that God is asking for, like a prayer, tell you pray for this. Ah, you start wanting, whether you feel like it or not. You know, there was a time, Jesus <laughs> came to the disciples. After I finished teaching them, so you can't, you can't divorce your wife. Peter, look at, what did you say? Maybe Peter was on his second wife that time. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying maybe. So what did he say? And he didn't explain. You know what they finished? He turned around. He said, this thing I said is very hard. Now turn to John. I keep on saying that. I just, you know, John was young. So I just assumed maybe he wasn't married. And I said, John, it's better not to marry. <laughs> now what I'm going to say, the natural thing they wanted, okay, was different from what Jesus was saying. And you know, in Israel, part of the problem they had when uh, Moses was giving them commandments was that their own personal desires were strong. So after a while, God stopped striving with them. So he gave them some things which he didn't want them to have. So Jesus said that it was because of the hardness of your heart. That was why Moses gave you some of these command, uh, uh, permissions. In life, you have to learn to want what God wants. Natural people, they want to be rich. It's natural. And God doesn't want anybody to want to be rich. So drop that, that, drop that thought. Drop it. Say, Pastor Frank, yes, I've read my scriptures. He said, drop it. Now, he makes people rich, but doesn't want them to want it. He's giving them an instruction, a promise. I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. You will not lack. Say, leave it like that. But the word teaches us how to be rich. How, no, not how to be rich, now how to want it. How? They flaunt it on, before us every day. They call people stars, and they tell you what the star is wearing, what is um, what is driving, how he's transporting himself in the air. Does he have a private jet or he doesn't? Then the issue of private jets becomes a discussion. Like uh, your guy, don't worry, I keep on calling the other your guy. Okay, it's not your guy again. It's this guy. <laughs> is he Olamide, the one that sang with uh, Fino? He said that um, that God that God has been good to them, and that now. Pounds and dollars, they take shower now. He said, the only thing that remains now is what? Private jets. Now, remember, what entertains you, enters you. That idea enters young people. So, Lord, when we day will it be that I will be able to use pounds and dollars to shower? <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. That's what I mean by teaching people what to want. But Jesus says, seek first what? The kingdom. And 
is righteousness. That's what you should want. Your testimony should not be what I got. It's what, I, what did I lay down? What did I lose for righteousness' sake? They persecuted the, the disciples. They beat them, flogged them for the sake of Christ because we were preaching the gospel and they went home rejoicing. Do you get my point? I know I've seen it when I was in school. When brethren come and share testimonies of men, they went for a program somewhere. If you see the people were giving their life, ah, what I would like, man, when else are you going? Are you getting my point? They want to go and see. These kind of things you catch your phone from, from evangelism, from outreach. Now, I'm going somewhere. Some of those say, like, they did beat you people, eh? So when else are we preaching? Because I was not around. So they were looking like, hey, they're beating this guy for the gospel. Oh, this guy too. Won't leave me. And I'm supposed to be their senior in this ministry. So next time they are going to preach, the guy will jump in front. Repent! Jesus is Lord. Hoping that somebody will flog him. That was the kind of desire. Listen, what you will want in life, you have to learn it. It's one of the things Christians must learn to learn. Your English is funny. Some of the things Christians must learn to learn. <laughs> you get what I'm going to say there? Yeah, just wake up in the morning. Look, what does the Bible want me to want? And whatever it is that he says I should want, I should start wanting that thing. Do you get my point? For example, one brother came to me one day. He said, when I give, I feel happy. Is it normal? So I asked him a few questions. I said, number one. I said, do you show it off to anybody? Do you brag about it to anybody? He said, no. I said, do you make requests based on it before the Lord? He said, no. So I gave him my hand. I said, congratulations. You just got born again. I said, you just got saved. That is, the fact that he could give and be happy doing it. Or that was a sign of faith. I remember those days when I was in school. One day somebody gives somebody my presence, quite a huge sum of money for our time that time. And I was like, what? You just that some, you know, it didn't cross my mind to say, ah, this girl's father was a lady. Alright? Ah, this girl's father was very rich. No. More than one person can give another that amount of money and not feel anything. I said, Lord, I must do it too. It didn't cross my mind that maybe she has a lot of money and that's why she can. No, it didn't cross my mind. And the first opportunity I had, and I had the money, I quickly gave. And my friend was there. He said, why did you give that guy that money? It was one brother, one of our senior brothers. So why did you give him the money? And I just felt, you know, he, you know, he was confounded. He was confused. Why would you do that? I said, it just felt good. I, I, he wanted the money. So I gave it to him. He didn't know that what was in my heart was that I saw somebody do a good thing. And I decided to emulate it. Please, I hope you're following what I'm saying. All right? In our teachings, we drop some things once in a while. The, my three-minute review, this one doesn't count because this is not a review. Because <laughs> the way he has been looking at me since, I've been looking at it. I say, you, you, you think I don't know what I'm doing. I know what, I, I know what I'm doing. So don't, don't be laughing at me in your heart. So this one, does it count? It doesn't count now. I, I'm, I'm, I've taught two new things now. How can it count? Is that a review? Let me not get back to the review. Start your clock again. Start the clock again. <laughs> so, what's the point I'm making? We start prophesying, alright? God gives us his word. We start declaring the word into the air. That's the second stage of prophecy. First stage, he reveals. Now, what I was trying to emphasize is that what he wants to do does not get done automatically. Let's bear that in mind. What he wants to do doesn't just get done. It requires us to do these things. We must get up and prophesy. Now, for us, the first stage of revelation is the scriptures. I hope you're getting my point. That first stage is what? The scriptures. That first stage of prophecy is the revelation of the scriptures. So we read our Bible, then we take what God has written, and we know that as the will of God. 
We now put them into, remember what I said, when God reveals, it's for two things. One, you pray. Two, you do what? You prophesy. So these desires that God has shown you from the scriptures, they become your desires, and you start praying with them and prophesying with them. So that's why God gave us prayer. Prayer is so that what God wrote in heaven will become real in our lives. Prayer is so that the things that God has recorded or expressed as his will will become physically manifested around us. That's what prayer is. Now, my emphasis again, faith. Remember, I was talking about intercession by faith. Now, let me just really say this. So, all forms of prayer follow this category. Whether you are making petition, whether you are making um, supplications, intercessions, that's how it goes. Once you are making a request of God. Now, when we're talking about intercession now, the emphasis is that you are praying for a situation different from your own personal issue. But I just need to say that for us to realize that it goes the same way also. Prayer of faith does not mean I don't repeat myself. That is not what defines the prayer of faith. Please, let me say that again because there's a common teaching around. It's a small mistake, not a big error, okay? Just a small mistake we make. The fact that I don't repeat myself is not what makes somebody something a prayer of faith. What makes prayer a prayer of faith is that it is focused on the Lord. I have the reality of the fact that God is hearing me in my heart. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes that is the reason why I keep coming. Lend me three loaves. I hope you're getting my point. A man came to his friend. He was importunate. He kept on coming. No, please, now wake up. Lend me three loaves. That tells you something. He knows his friend is there. He knows the fellow is hearing. You understand my point? And you must understand that when God uses that, um, when the Lord Jesus was using that as an illustration, the thought part may not be like God himself, but that's how it appears to us. He appeared, he, he, that fellow knew the fellow, the friend was reluctant. Now, in our own case, God is not reluctant. I, want, I need to say that. I need to just uh, clarify that. It's not like the Lord is reluctant. It's just that some things keep the answer away from us. So from our own side, it appears like what? Reluctance. It's not really reluctance. God is not slow concerning his promises. All right? From our angle, it looks like reluctance simply because it's delaying. I began to pray about this a few, uh, maybe years ago, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, that has not yet manifested. So the human mind is reluctance because God is very powerful. So he should be able to do it if he wanted to do it. So we interpret that as what? Reluctance. So Jesus was teaching us, therefore, that listen. Now, please, I need to quickly explain this. Now, that reluctance, that apparent reluctance, please. Like I said, it's not like God is reluctant. It's just some things have hindered. Now, so the hindrance or the hindrances are the things that we now we start removing. Like Isaiah 40 taught, taught us, we start elevating the valleys and bringing down the mountains. We are trying to make a smooth road for the Lord in the wilderness. You are getting my point. Now, that is, now while we are doing that, we don't discontinue our prayer. We don't de- discontinue our prophesying. We don't discontinue our declarations which are born out of the revealed word of God. I hope you're getting my point. So even though it is slow in coming, we recognize that God is not slow concerning his promises. But the Bible says that he's waiting for men to do what? To repent. So before God brings some things into our lives, like we were saying last time, every instruction is what? So that the Lord can release a blessing. So many times in the period of our waiting, that's when God is doing the correction. The correction occurs in two places. If I'm praying about my personal life, then the correction is almost purely in me. But if I'm praying about things outside, then the correction starts on things outside. 
So, for example, this doesn't sound nice, right? But you want a blessing into the air, and we're going to do that again today. You want a blessing in the environment. You start prophesying the blessing. Then God says, wait, prophesy judgment too. <laughs> do you get my point? Because before God brings forth blessing, he has to cleanse the place. So as you are prophesying the blessing, then a word of prophecy comes sometimes not, not from you, from another angle, because in intercessory things like this, there sometimes are different teams of intercessors. God just provokes some people. They just start getting angry. They are angry at what they are saying. So they say, arise, O Lord. Let your enemy be scattered. Let those, and then next thing you know, Pelatia draws down and he dies. It's not a nice thing, but it happens. Then political turmoil will start in some places. Then some politi- politicians will retire. And new ones will replace them. And then one, the one man will just be appointed as head of something. The FCC as an example. And he goes aggressively against looters and, you know, people like that. And he cannot be removed. And God starts destroying all his enemies. Now, when it comes to um, political things like that or, you know, things of a nation, these things take time. They literally take years. And each generation has something they will contribute. Somebody said something recently. That doesn't sound nice. It doesn't sound nice. I know some people will not like it, but I will say it because it's true. You know, South Africa has had their worst riots since the end of apartheid over the last few days. And what caused it? One man thinks he's above the law. That's all. I'm not saying it's it's not above the law. I'm just saying he thinks he's above the law. So they say, appear before a government, a, a, a panel of inquiry, I don't know the exact kind of panel, but it was a legal panel. And he said, I'm not coming. Come. He said no. So they sentenced him for contempt. And he's supposed to go to jail. Is it 15 or 18 months? All right. Huh? Okay, anyway. You get the idea. He's supposed to go to jail for some months. So finally, his townspeople decided this is what? Oppression. Nobody's addressing why didn't Oga go to answer. They say you stole money. Just go down and sit and say, I did not steal the money. And then you answer the question and go home. Then at the end of the day, they give you the report of the, of the uh, panel. And then you can go further to, you know, defend yourself. And I say, no, I'm not going. They call me and no go, go. Unfortunately, like somebody wrote, <laughs> that's not how democracy works. In democracy, everybody, I mean, okay, I'll tell you about the Brazilian, yes. President, President, yes. The Brazilian President, they sent him to prison too. They found him guilty on corruption charges. Lula da Silva. They put Lula in prison. He was there. I think they released him now. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, they, he got a pardon from one president. And that's how, I'm not saying it's good, but that's how democracy works. You either want democracy or you don't want it. It's called the rule of law. You know what the rule of law means? The law is the king. Everybody is inferior to the king. So if you break the law, the law will punish you. If you don't like it, revert away from democracy and go to monarchy. In monarchy, the king is the king. He's the law. He's the chief justice. You know, that is the president of the Supreme Court. He is. Yeah. He try, every case ends with him. And he's the head of police. 
and is the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. I don't know why a human being would agree to be king. Only Jesus can do that function. Uh, me? No, if they offer me the job, like, like, thank you. Even on the earth, Jesus said, I can't do it on this earth. Let me, <laughs> resurrection time. <laughs> resurrection time, we'll do it. Now, what I'm t- you see why I went into that? Is this, all right? So somebody now wrote, of course, South Africa has, has been terrible. Now, I saw on uh, news yesterday, police now recovering looted things from where they hid them. Of course, they will get a lot back because when you lose television and freezer, now your neighbor will go tell police, hey, bros, this guy did not get TV before. Now, after the, <laughs> after the riot, we started seeing TV. Police will knock on your door. They are going to jail. You know, in, you know America, <laughs> that they are attack on the Capitol. Yeah. Ah, people are already going to prison. The ones who pleaded guilty, they are already going to jail one by one. They've arrested over 500 people. They've been very, very methodically picking everybody one by one. And part of the way they will give you small sentences, like, okay, name the other guys around you. Say, so, may I not want to die for a jail? Look, Pastor Kemote was there. Say, now you wear that. Ah, so now only Pastor Bank will go to prison. No, Pastor Kemote was there. You name all the people that came with you. Now, that's what they call the rule of law. We may not like it. Now, this, you now see where I'm going in a moment, all right? So somebody now wrote, that why are they making noise? They should be thanking Jacob Zuma, which is the man that refused to go. They're now in prison now. So they should be thanking Jacob Zuma for showing us that we're Africans. We don't believe in the rule of law. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm telling the story. He said the man should be, he said before, that we're deceived, that Mandela deceived us. Tabombeki deceived us. They didn't know what we Africans are made of. That those guys did not manifest Africanism. They were manifesting something else. That this is an, a real African president. You get the, the mockery. Yeah, you get the mockery. The guy was saying, in fact, listen, this is how we are. We don't like order. We don't like progress. That the country progressed because of the white people that ruled. Now, you guys have taken over. Now, you are, you are showing the world what all of us Africans are like. Now, that's where I'm going on. He wasn't insulting them. He was saying, this is what Africans do. And that's how we think when we're in power, can do anything and we'll get away with it. In other places, no. They will say, hey, boy, I will leave this place. Uh, uh, Sarkozy, is it Sarkozy? Yeah, he's, he's not free yet, the former French president. Oh, no, he's not free yet. He's currently on trial. Is it good or bad? That's not the discussion, but that's democracy. So sometimes when we're praying for some things, these are things God starts releasing to the earth. Say, listen, look, look, look. All the, the some of the things you're asking for, your mentality cannot receive it. So as you are prophesying, he starts creating things that will disturb that mentality and explain to you, look, because he will say, guys, what you're asking for cannot be done the way your people are. And that's why, please, be very careful when you criticize things. Be very careful. Because sometimes what God wants to use to answer your problem, answer your prayer, you won't like it. Yes. You won't like it. So that's why we have to be full of thanksgiving when God is walking. Sometimes, political tumult. In fact, I, I, I remember the recruit telling a story. He was praying for America. And of course, when you hear things like that, he won't, won't be the only person. The other people were also praying. And as they were praying and praying, elevate, uh, say, bring down the wicked, elevate the righteous, and he was praying those prayers again and again. Next thing, Watergate scandal broke out. 
And one man saw him and said, I hold you responsible for everything that is going on, going on in Washington. What does it mean? He said, the prayer you guys have been praying is scattering the political parties in America. I don't know whether I get the point. Now, what the rest of the world calls a scandal, men with insight said it's answer to prayer, that the wicked needed to be brought down. So heads will roll because people are praying. Political heads now, that's what I mean. Sometimes, literally, people die in the process. So that's why we must learn to just give the Lord thanks all the time, no matter what is going on. What am I saying? So this is take time. But what do we do? We continue to prophesy. We never give up. You know the truth? That's what I'm talking about. Remember we're talking about prayer of what? Faith. Faith does not mean I prayed only once. Faith means that I'm committed to the will of God. That's what faith means. Faith means I'm committed to the will of God. Faith means that I understand that God will execute his will. Faith means that as I'm praying, I know the Lord is hearing. So when that delay comes, that's what I was trying to explain. A man came to his friend and said, lend me three loaves. And Jesus now commended that man for his importunity. And I'm explaining that when it appears like delay, it is not really delay. So it's not really reluctance on the part of the Lord. It is that certain things have to be put in place for what we are asking the Lord for to be revealed. I hope you're getting my point. So those things, the most, so those are the ones that take time. I was explaining, if it's my personal life, I'm making my personal corrections. If it's outside me, if it's not my personal life, then other corrections will need to be made in the environment. That one is not me that will do it. Do you get my point? The angels of God will do it. But then, they will only continue to do those things. God will continue moving things around for those uh, corrections will be affected as long as I keep praying. Do you get my point? If I give up because, ha, huh, I've been praying for eight years now, nothing has happened. The moment you started praying, something began to happen that day. I don't know what I heard me. I hope you know Daniel was not aware anything happened. 21 days he was waiting. And for your information, I just want to tell you something. I hope you know the prayer of Daniel was not answered that day. What I mean is this. Physically, even when the angel came, did he do anything? What he gave him was what? Revelation. Now, the revelation was supposed to give him consolation. Are you getting my point? Yeah. <laughs> because Daniel would have stayed there <laughs> forever. So the angel said, listen, Daniel, it's done. But so that Daniel will relax, God now sent the angel with revelation for Daniel. I hope you're getting my point. Now, what I want to, uh, I want to emphasize is that from the first day we started praying, no, I kept on emphasizing this. Let me just remind us of it. Wherever you are watching us from, this applies to whichever country you are in. But we have an issue currently. I mean, the situation right now, which brings this to the fore in our hearts, is that we live in this country called Nigeria. And Nigeria has a lot of things that has come upon us as a church to tackle. So you may hear, or hear us referring to it once in a while or so often. It applies, the principle applies everywhere. If you are in um, Romania, it applies like this. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, if you are Russian, it applies. What I'm going to say is that you are citizens of heaven, amen? amen. We are citizens of heaven, amen? amen? So technically, we are exiles on the earth. Do you get the point? Technically, we are exiles on the earth. And God said, if I send you into a nation as an exile, this is what you are supposed to do. You must look for the prosperity of that place. It's important to me. 
in his prosperity, you will prosper. I will not just bless you entirely without any connection with the environment. Because if I do that, you will never pray for the place. I need that prayer because I desire that all men will be saved. Do you get my point? So you want to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. Part of that quiet and peaceable life, the word peace in Hebrew is the same word for prosperity. So you need to live a quiet and prosperous life so that you can reach other people that need to be saved. People who are in distress are not the ones that will be giving you offerings to preach on satellite. I hope you're getting my point. So all of it goes together. Everything goes together. Alright? So, I'm just reminding us of that. So that's why we take the issue of our nation seriously. I don't know, was he here or sharing on Saturday? I don't know. But that one of my colleagues told me, after he interacted with certain groups in deep northern Nigeria, towards the edge, the northern edge, he said that he now understands why God created it as a single nation. And his own words that anybody in the south that wants to go, should go. That God will take you and, can we use pidgin English, shook you back inside. That God will reinsert you. Why? He said because there's a purpose. It's not about you. It's about the purpose that he created. I hope you're getting my point. So please, let's bear that in mind. Let's bear that in mind, alright? I just wanted to remind people about that. So you have that duty to God concerning your nation. You have that duty to God concerning the environment that you are in. You must pray. God holds you responsible. So what I was saying is that so it may, have been a, it, may, it may have been a while that people have been praying. So they get discouraged. The reason why the discouragement comes is, it, of course, it appears as if God is reluctant. It's not reluctance. It is that many things need to be put in place. And bear it in mind, every moment God is working. Prayers are being answered. There is no prayer that we have uttered, I mean, according to his will, that has gone unanswered. None, not one. People like to make nonsense talk. That you are praying the country is like this. I say, we should not have prayed. That you will have seen what it will have been like. There will have been no country. I don't know whether I get the point. Whether you like it or not, the majority of the landmass in Nigeria is at peace each point in time. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that because peace does not make the news. I hope you're getting my point. So the quiet areas, nobody says anything about them. Now, I'm going to say something here. So, don't, nobody should tell you that God has not been answering prayers. That's what I'm going to emphasize. He has been. He said, look at it. You have not been praying. You have, you have, without the prayer. Look at how the country is. I said, let's withdraw the prayer and let God give you revelation. Now, you go to Rwanda and see things. People of Rwanda won't say that. About 20-something years ago, about 20, it's 21 years ago now, thereabout, they saw, they saw things. A little over 20 years ago. I was still watching it on um, France 24 the other day. We were doing a you know, documentary on it. Our neighbors went after our neighbors. Three months of systematic killing. One man hid his neighbors in pits. That's how he saved them. You know, because pits. He dug holes in the ground and kept human beings inside and covered the hole. And they stayed there for weeks. I don't know how long. And you began to look at him with suspicion. So one day, some of those uh, militia men came, dragged him out, beat him, cocked a gun, they were going to kill him. That the head is hiding tootsies. He said, ah. look, they searched his house up and down, searched everywhere, didn't see anything. Because they killed any Hutu that seemed to not be on their side. 
right, hiding the tutis. <laughs> he was already on the ground. He said he just made up his mind that he was dead. Then one of the soldiers, one of the militiamen, just said, "Leave him. He's too poor. Self. Does he look like he can hide anybody and feed them?" That was what saved his life. Of course, we now know he's God. The other one said, "It doesn't look like he can feed anybody that is hiding." But literally, he had people in pits around his house. I don't know how many weeks he stayed there. Let me not tell you more. Story. When you watch those things, you just be you. Know, you wondering like, did this really happen, or is it a horror story? Must be a horror movie. <laughs> you don't want to pray. Let me not mention the name of countries. Let's not be like we are laughing at anybody. There are countries more than twice the size of Nigeria. They have more land, more that is all every part of it. Water, not like Nigeria, a lot of parts are a bit dry. Fertile ground everywhere, minerals all over the place. Yeah, they are ranking amongst the three poorest countries in the world. And you are still insulting us for praying. If you if you dig the things in the earth, they have more than we have. Yeah, they said they, they import onions. I said Nigerians, you, you can't import onions to Nigeria. We grow onions in backyards. And somebody said we are praying. I wish God please. I just want to talk nonsense. Na nonsense I want to talk. Na rubbish. I will talk, talk and small. I wish we could withdraw prayer for one year. Then you will now know what it means not to pray. Lord, please, I say that's nonsense. No, 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 don't do it. <laughs> Withdraw that. I don't, I don't wish it. I'm just imagining what it would be like. So he said, men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Again, what is prayer by faith? I take the word of God. Faith praying is word praying. You hear what I said? Faith praying is what? Word praying, taking God's word. It is not meaningless repetition if what you are speaking is the word of God. It is meaningless repetition when what you are saying is, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. That's nonsense. I'm in need, I'm in need, I'm in need. That's nonsense. It is not meaningless repetition if what I'm saying is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I feel hungry, I don't go to the Lord and say, Lord, see my stomach. Hole is already drilling inside it. That's meaningless repetition. But when I'm hungry and I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not meaningless repetition. If I say that 100 times a day, it is not meaningless repetition. Actually, prayer is lifting up two things over every situation. Lifting up one, the word of God. Two, so like I was saying, so what we do, the second part of prayer is simply invoking the name of God over every situation. God has a name. In every situation, he has a name. Let's be reminded, God's name is not like our own names, that somebody gave us one name, which is really based on one of, one of a few things. Number one, like they say in Western Nigeria, you check the circumstances in the house when somebody is born. They give a name. Western Nigeria, so we have all kinds. I think they have the largest <laughs> number of names in the world. When you go to Nigeria, they have some strange names. One guy's name is Manager. Many of you know him. We are looking. There's a politician called James Manager now. You know why his name is Manager? Can I show you? The father became a bank manager when he was born. Something like that. That's what I mean. That's what they do. It's true now. 
See one of them here. <laughs> yeah, they do that. I had, a, I had a colleague, his name is Ku. Ku, Ku Dita, yes. Fellow Nigerians. It has come to the attention of the military. His name is Ku, Ku. That tells you when he was born. Do you get my point? Yes, that's how it is. So, we name, and then sometimes we have names based on the aspirations. Okay, of course, in Western Nigeria, they have, the way the, the birth is, you hear somebody's name is Dada. They have tangled hair from birth. You have names like Taiwo Ken, there's a twin, another twin. Then you have names like Idowu Alaba, you came after twins. Then you have names like Igi. You know, Bola Igi. That's the meaning. It's the way he was born. You have names like Ojo. So we have all those kind of things. Alright? So it limits the meaning of our individual names. Sometimes we have names based on the aspiration of our parents. God's name is not like that. God doesn't have one, two, three, four names. He doesn't. He has names inexhaustible. His name describes his character and his glory. Every one of his names is actually a long sentence and a long story. So when you hear Jehovah or Yahweh, it means the same thing, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Okay? It's a covenant name. It means a covenant-keeping God. That covenant-keeping God is a provider. So they tell you Jehovah Jireh. Do you get the point? That covenant-keeping God is a healer. So you hear of Jehovah Rapha. Those are the Hebrew versions. But I don't like speaking Hebrew. Why should I speak Hebrew when I don't speak Hebrew? <laughs> so I like the English one. So in my Bible, I have scores and scores of names underlined for God. They are the names of God. It will tell you the defender of the fatherless. That's a name. You don't need to know the Hebrew. You understand my point? The defender of the widow, that's a name. The one that makes barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children is a name. It's not a discussion, it's a name. I hope you're getting my point. That's what it is. It's a name. There are so many names. In fact, you know, in my Bible, like I told you, I decided to underline them. And I don't know how many of them I have underlined as at now. Wow. So literally there are hundreds. Hundreds. Anytime I see it, I underline it. There are so many of them. The one that causes wars to cease. You know, that's the name. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to spend time now looking at how God is described here. The one whose understanding is infinite. That's the name. The one who nothing is hidden before him. That's the name. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> the helper of the weak is a name. The defender of the defenseless is a name. One with whom nothing shall be impossible is a name. There are hundreds. Look, you go through your Bible. Like, I don't want to waste your time. If you come peep into my Bible afterward, I'll show you the ones I've underlined. I'm screwing them like this. Because my Bible can group them for me, the way, depending on how I mark them. All right? You see them. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. That's a name. <laughs> my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. David has a lot of names by which he described him. The God of deliverances. I'm quoting from scripture, so I'm not, I'm, I'm like, God of deliverances. He said, God to whom belongs escapes from death. That's the name. That's Psalm 68 verse, 10, verse 20 I just gave to you there. Psalm 91 says, my refuge, my, my dwelling place. 
I hope you know that's the name. Now, so when you say seven names of God, it's not like we're not counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're just saying, I, I, when I taught that series, I just chose the word seven, the number seven, perfection. Thank you. That the names of God, they are perfect. So God spoke to them. He told Moses, when they say, who sent me? What should I say? He says, say, I am that I am. He said, who are you? I am that I am. What do I say? Said he is sent you. Yeah, that's literal Hebrew. He is. To Moses, I am. Tell them he is. And Miles Moreau taught us that time. I went crazy. This was more than 20 years ago. What am I 20 years ago? I listened to that message. Yes, more than 20 years ago. Maybe like 23, 24 years ago. When Miles Moreau explained the meaning of I am. He said it literally means I am. Please fill in the blank. I said, what are, what's your name? He said, which one do I want to tell you? Where do I start from? Just say, I am. Then when you get there, you will fill in the blank. So I am the bread that came down from heaven. I hope you're getting my point. That's the name. So God is telling you, I am the healer. All these things I said, he just tell you, I am this, I am this, I am this. So he gives I am to you, empty. Go and fill it in. What am I saying? What is prayer? Find out what he is. Do you get the, the logic there? So in every situation, so when you find a sickness... What do you do? You lift up the name. Now, remember, we're talking about persistence. Now, last week, we began to talk about the, um, the weapon of the intercessor. That's the way it works. Persistence in prayer. We take his name and lift it. So, two things. Remember, I'll say one, the word or promise. Okay? The will. That's one. The word, promise, will. Then number two, the name. You lift, lift it up over the situation and you never stop. Stop, like somebody said, stop telling God about your situation. Start telling the situation about God. That the conversation with God is enough. <laughs> Start conversing with the situation. Say, let me tell you about my God. Say, back pain, are you there? You say, I'm still here. Say, let me tell you about God. When he tells the back pain about God for three days, it's called deliverance. To so God belongs deliverances from death. It will run away. But at times, you know, we magnify the problem. This back pain wants to kill me. Back pain says, I will try my best. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. (laughs) This heart wants to kill me. Say, I'll try. Once I stop walking, you're dead. Instead of that, tell the heart, can we have a conversation? I'm not beating you. Beat the way you like. Let me talk to you first. Are you aware that the power of life and death is not with you? But it's with Jesus Christ, who died and rose again on my behalf. And the heart is beating regularly. And you are telling it that God owns me. God whose I am and whom I serve. That's That's the name also. Let me tell you about the God whose I am and whom I serve. The power of resurrection is with him. He is the resurrection and the life. Even though I die, I will live again. After conversing with the heart for one hour, I said, let me go to work. We'll, have it. we'll discuss again in the evening. You did there? Wait for me. In the evening, you start again. He's a creator God. The very hair of my, the hairs on my head, they are numbered. His thoughts towards me, they are too much. Are you getting my point? If he made a heart before, he can make another one again. 
Didn't you hear what John said about him? He can raise sons to Abraham from stones. So get a rock, show your heart. God can make another heart from this one. You don't have the power, he has the power. Then you go and sleep. And before you sleep, tell the Lord, my life is in your hands. Keep me alive that I may serve your purpose. Then you lift up the word of God, I will live, I will not die. We need to talk more about God. In intercessory prayer, now this is what you're talking about, we need to talk more about him. We talk too much, you know, let's be honest. Who do you talk more about, Buhari or God? Why are you saying God? Let them talk by themselves now. People talk more about Buhari than about God. In fact, you know, if we count the number of times we talk about Buhari, Nam Dekan, Sunday Boho, those three people, if we talk about if we count the number that we talk about them and what they represent, we will pass by God, we won't recognize him. God will say, hello, it's a place where are busy. We heard they have arrested Sunday. <laughs> Why did they arrest him? Are they going to repart him? Somebody said they should grant him pardon. Why should they grant him pardon? They say, yeah, and Catholic should be granted pardon. For what? God said, please, excuse me. <laughs> Stop interrupting what people are talking. <laughs> you won't recognize him. Why? You've talked so much about the country about Buhari, headsmen, bandits, you know, all these uh, secessionists. By the time you finish, go in the evening and say, nah, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep <laughs> the first time you're talking about the Lord in the whole day. That's why David said, magnify the Lord with me. What does it mean to magnify God? Let's talk about him. Let's talk about his greatness. Let's talk about his excellence. How do we pray? It's not our desires. The weapon of the intercessor is the word of God. And it's the name of the Almighty. That's all. We just continually lift those things up. We are preaching again and again, but of course we can't say it enough. Over every situation, what do we do? We take God's name and lift it up. We take God's word and lift it up. You know, let me just drop this one then. I've spoken enough. How many minutes? Ten now. My own clock. Two of you. I know you were timing me. You're not. Are you sure? But she was timing me. Well, he was timing me. Yeah, she said you were the one doing the time. The Lord is good. Now, so let me just talk about it briefly. Just to give an idea of how we pray. Now, righteousness exalts a nation, right? Yeah. Sin is a reproach. Now, reproach is not just newspaper reproach. It's economic reproach. I hope, I hope you're getting my point. Yes, that is, it will destroy things. It is destroy things. So sin is a reproach to any people. Now it's very important we bear that in mind. So righteousness, like I was saying earlier, God needs righteousness to be able to impart a blessing. I'll be honest with you, God has been very kind. Now I'm speaking about Nigerian situation. So when I say prophetically, I mean I'm, I'm, being, I'm specifically addressing a situation right now, right? God has been very kind to our nation, uh, this country. God has been overkind, extremely kind. My knowledge of spiritual things right now, okay, shows me every day that we don't deserve the amount of blessing that we have seen. Yes. And please let me say this again. The church has to, we must have a revival. When I say revival, not just revival in the church, that is, but it must start in the church. We have to, the church has to be pure again. The church has to become the apostle of truth on the earth again. Now, ministries that don't do what I'm about to say, God, God is already closing them down. I will continue to close them down. All right? Now, the church, mo- now, what I'm about to say now, the church must be a place where confused people come to. 
Not a place where people come and get confused. I hope you're getting my point. Talking to a lady the other day, she told me that she doesn't go to church. I said, why? I told the church she went to. I said, oh God. That I feel more spiritual now that I don't, that, that I don't go to that church anymore. That every time I went, they used to weigh me down. And we're not talking about conviction of sin now. The church cannot be divisive. The church must be a place where people come and they are united. I hope you're getting my point. If you're the pastor of a church, you are the head of a church, and you divide your members amongst tribal, tribal lines, God will sack you. And that will be kindness, because what he will have done normally, he that separates brothers, God hates. So sacking you is a way of making sure you don't commit more iniquity. Please, I know what I'm saying. What the whole world needs, they should find in the church. Not what they want to. What they what? Need. For example, they should come into the midst of the people of God and realize that these people are not divided the way we are divided. Are you getting my point? For example, they should get into a church and see headsmen clapping. And they are mingling with the local community. And they are sitting down and talking, ah, brother this, sister that, and they are talking amongst themselves. It's important. They should come and discover that the divisions they have, we don't have. It should, that's where discovery should be. I told you the church was building a, a, a building. And one man came and said, ah, you are spending money on a ministry that does not belong to our brother. And I'm wondering, how can... I mean, this guy is not building synagogue for the goodness sake. How can you say the church does not belong to our brother? And that's a pastor. Talking to another pastor. So if an unbeliever was there, I just say, I said that this country must divide. Even the church cannot hold it together. Seriously. Hmm. The other one. They should come and realize that money is not our God. They should realize that we are not under the same pressure they are, on, they are under. When they come, we are praying for the same thing they are fighting for. What's the difference? Say today, who wants to be a millionaire? He says, Frank and Doho is not us. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't realize it. See, the, the problem with the Christianity sometimes is that we don't get it. Many of the things we are pursuing, they are wrong to pursue. So you come to church, the arm robber uses a gun to get his own. The smart guy uses internet fraud to get his own. You use prayer to get your own. It's all the same thing. So he's not convicted. The only thing that happens is that he may change his method. And you think he's giving his life to Christ. He didn't give his life to Christ, nothing. He found an easier and less dangerous way of making money. If you're an arm robber, you may get shot by a police. Don't you think so? Police just want to carry you and they just, you know, they, they treat you like an animal and they kill you. What if you are sowing your seed in church and reaping? Is that not safer? You don't think it's safer? Okay, I know your problem. You don't think it works. But let's assume for a moment it works. Is it not safer? Is it not safer? It is. One man, I saw the joke. That time they found their $58 million in a flat in Iko. You remember? And they showed one Mexican guy. Another Mexican or Colombia guy calling his Nigerian friend. He said, oh boy. 
in your country, you can get $58 million without carrying drugs. No cocaine. $58 million. Please, how do I become a Nigerian citizen? <laughs> he doesn't like to be shooting also. He's unsafe. He said, if I can get $58 million without having to be carrying gun up and down. So that's what a lot of people do. And I've seen it before. They come to church because they say that church is where you can become rich. So they are looking for money. But they say church gives it. I think it's sad. It's very sad. What they should realize is that when they enter into church, money doesn't matter to us. We're not there giving seed because of money. We are living righteous lives. Of course, God will bless us most certainly. But that is not our focus. It is not who wants to break through immediately. By next week, you're a millionaire. And you see us, like one man said, sorry, I'm always joking about this. You bring that seed, I will wash your hand in oil. Someone will give you honey to lick. All of you are looking for prosperity. What the Bible teaches us is that we shouldn't be looking for it. I know where I began from. We need that revival first in the church. Then we will not take that into the world. So people will not come into the house of the Lord to come and seek our God. Right now they are coming to seek mammon. Yes, that's what is happening now. Then we change the society now. I was trying to say something when I began to say all of these things. And that's that. The truth here is that the blessing we have gotten so far. The average person outside, if you see the way even the church now, all right, but God is helping us now. Amen. We actually do not deserve it. The understanding I have now of spiritual things, we don't. When you talk to people, I don't know, tell them the other day that somebody said you can steal from government, it doesn't matter as long as you give to the poor. If that's natural mindset in a society, they can never prosper. So that we have remained this to this point, eh? people of God, is a sign that God answers prayers. It is sign. No, see. I told you one of my colleagues went to another African country that day. So he came back home for something. So just before he went back, he called me just to greet me. He said, ah, my girl, how now? Just, you know, just gist. And I said, how is that place? <laughs> he said, sir. He said, the, the people are very poor. He said, when they say Nigeria is the of Africa. He said, it's true. You know, people like to mock Nigeria all the time. The guy said, when they say Nigeria is the giant of Africa. He said, sir, it is true. He described the lack and the deprivation there. Ah. So I just, just wished him well. He's working. He's working. He told me how they got the job, how the president of the country had them employed, just to come and help the society grow. And this is the same country I'm telling you that we're not for God, eh? That we don't even deserve what we have seen. Let me say it again. If anybody tells you we have prayed enough, the person is of Satan. The person is satanic. Satan is using that individual to collect our blessings. Our prayer is working. Oh, it's working. Bear that in mind. It is, it is seriously working. Now, why did I go into that? So, you see, the way we behave, it's difficult for God to bless. I'm telling you. It works extremely hard. So, sometimes we see some of these negative things that we do. And people, we have to pray against them. Our, prayer, our prayers have not been working, mostly because we have not judged ourselves as a church enough. But remember, this, the nation also, we will change it. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, why I went to that talk is that one of our brothers told me something. You know, I'm talking about the weapons, how we pray. So when we see things, I, sorry, I, in, let, let me just try and connect everything I'm saying so that I don't lose track. I know what I'm saying. What I'm trying to explain is that the way we behave, 
It's difficult to bless. That we have experienced more blessing than we actually deserve. And I want to give an example of some of those things. Alright? But prayer has been helping us. And this is how to pray. That's how I told the story. I asked on my phone because I wanted to get referred to a chat that a brother and I had, one of our brothers. He's a politician. So, I, okay. How many people have heard about the electoral bill? I know until you, you're a director of news reporting. You must have heard about it. Okay, many of us. Now, let's just talk on the natural plane, okay? Natural plane. I'm very careful when I judge things like that, especially if I don't know enough about it. And that's why I'm giving this example on how Christians pray. Now, this brother, he and I have spoken before, and he has explained to me even weeks ago, not now, about the electoral bill, why it's so important for the country to have that thing passed and that to reduce... Now, this is my own... We, we had this discussion, okay? So I'll give you what he said and add my own to it. That you reduce, of course, electoral fraud, okay? And that that now makes it easy for the average person to get things done without godfathers. You understand? You don't need anybody to help you with anything. If, let me give an example now. Maybe you are from Enugu here. One, uh, you are from a local government that we are in right now. And you want to run for House of, House of Assembly. It's not a big area because it's House of Assembly in Enugu alone. So you just need to cover a few words. Is that not so? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's three cars. You and your guys can do it. Is that not true? With a few thousands of naira, you can print more posters to make noise. You don't have to go to Dream FM or Urban Radio or Solid FM. They cover too far. What you need is a um, megaphone. Trunk crier. Thank you very much. You got the right. Trunk crier. You don't even need, just, just go around to, um, 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 Chibukem is a very honest guy. He, he can speak for his people and the people know him. His father knows him. His mother is there. They talk to their uncles. You know, before you know what's happening, if you have a good reputation amongst your people, you don't care who the governor is. You get into power. Are you getting my point? Because the election is transmitted, you know, just those who have been following, you get my point. So we've had this discussion. So it makes it easy to get things done. So we talked about this weeks ago. Then suddenly I read about this stuff again in the news a few weeks ago. And it's back in the news. The same thing he was telling me about it, the transmission, the electronic transmission of um, results from the polling unit straight to INEC, which means that Everybody will have a copy. You no know, one something moves like that. It's easy to, it's like, um, what do you call it? What do you call that technology? It's like blockchain. Almost impossible to alter. So, you think I got to the Senate and got to House of Reps? Now, I, I, I don't know the details. Let me not, um, say too many, too many things. Some say, no, it's not good. So I say, what is bad in it? They say, my village is not covered by... NCC says it's not true. <laughs> yeah, most of Nigeria is covered. You know now, don't you move around. It's almost impossible now to not put a polling station where one signal will reach. And they said, okay, if there's no um, GSM, there's satellite signal. Yet men voted against it. Now, like I said, I don't, I don't know Buko, but my sense, they work small. Because I was able to come upstairs and I knew the door of this place. I didn't go, to, so I must be thinking properly. Don't you think so? Yeah, I, I read the Bible just now, Abby. I'm, I can read English. So I think I have a bit of common sense. And I always say, when an adult says two plus two is equal to five, he's hiding something. Don't argue with him. Say, no, two plus two is four. No, 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 no. When a man starts telling you that the police station in my local government doesn't have network, 
Just know that he rigged himself into that position. Nobody voted for him. People, they know they will never win the election at home. The sinner flees when NCC is not chasing him. <laughs> Those, what's NCC? It's Nigeria Communications Commission. They're in charge of our, they're the ones that give licenses and stuff like that. No, people follow us, they may not know what's going on in Nigeria, okay? So when I read, I said, my father in heaven, what's going on? Now, how did I pray? When my brother said, he just forwarded the information to me. I answered him, I said, good afternoon. I read from Psalm 21. This is how to pray. I didn't call anybody's name. Whether you were voted into power or rigged into power, it not concern me. But the Bible makes some things clear. That woe to those who scheme iniquity. Who walk out evil in their beds. When morning comes, they do it. That is the evil. Because it is in their, the power of their hands. They covet fields, no ballot boxes, results, and seize them. And houses and take them away. They rob a man and his house. A man and his votes. Sorry, his inheritance. <laughs> Hope you're getting my point. Said, therefore, thus is the Lord. Behold, he said, I'm planning against his family a calamity from which you cannot remove your necks. And you will not walk haughtily for it to be for you an evil time. I, I call him. Did I call anybody's name? I just read the scripture. Psalm 21. That one was from Micah chapter 2. Alright? He said, though they intended evil against the Lord and devised a plot, they will not succeed. That's Psalm 21 verse, two, verse 11. Then I went to Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. What to those who call evil good and call good evil? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Because when, you know there are some things that are obviously good. Human beings say it is bad. I said there's no problem. Maybe you know something I don't know. But let's give you the word of God. The word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, if the word rises against you, you are in trouble. The word has a mind of its own. So if I... We found that situation. Please, if you are listening to this and you want to pray about that, this is how you pray. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Isaiah 5 20. In Isaiah chapter 10 it says, Who unto them that decree unrighteous decrees, that right grievousness which they have prescribed. That's Isaiah chapter 10 verse 1. Based upon this, I said, Lord, let these words come against anyone who stands against righteousness in lawmaking concerning voting in Nigeria in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Did I call anybody's name? I mean, which name did you hear my mouth? No, nothing. I just said, if you decree an unrighteous decree, thus says the Lord, woe to you. If you say what is good is evil and you know. Now, let me tell you something on that thing. Woe to him, listen, this is the word of God, that suppresses truth in unrighteousness. That is, they know it is true. But no, if you write it like this, how will it benefit us, we evildoers? And this is the word of the Lord. Woe to everyone who resists like that. Amen. Say amen. amen. Please let me explain something to you. God needs us to pray these prayers. Remember I said the word of blessing goes forth, prophetic word. Then words like this start coming out because they clean things up. 
Let's just talk small politics, all right? Now, these are the manifestations of what God is doing. So I'm not saying this is the third level, heaven level. This is just the second level, all right? One reason why people do bad governance in a country like ours is that it doesn't affect their votes. You know, we're doing democracy. One reason why Americans, they try to do things right, sometimes just to please people, is because they have to come back for these votes next time. But sometimes our people don't care. Because they know it doesn't matter. If you don't vote for me, I will still win. You know what? The Bible says the Lord saw and he was displeased. So when we're talking, I told the brother. Now, the first one I read, let's read it together. Quickly. Okay, let's just take it as an assignment for today. Let's pray concerning electoral reform, the electoral bill, right? Are we in APC? Are we in PDP? Are we in APGA? Peter that party did Nigeria say? Huh? Okay, are we in YPP? Nemeka is in YPP. Okay, are we in ADC? Amen. Okay, which party are we in? We are just in righteousness party. Amen. That's all we are in. We stand for righteousness. Somebody say amen. amen. So it's possible for somebody here to be in APC. I heard that somebody there is in YPP. You can be in any party. It doesn't matter. Just stand for righteousness wherever you are. Right now in Nigeria, we operate democracy, partisan politics. It's the will of God. It's not the perfect will of God, but at least that is what God said we should do now. And if we are going to do it, we will do it properly. Yes. I hope you are getting my point. Yes, sir. We will do it properly. And then we perceive right now that some people don't want it to be done properly. Against such, we read these scriptures. Open your Bibles. Micah chapter 2. Please get it. Intercession is with the word of God. It's not, it's not my mind, though. We just, um, we're just reading scripture. Is that not so? Yes, sir. Are we doing any of that thing? Yes, Please open your Bibles. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 3. You can remain seated, but I want you to read that very loud. I know some of you are angry. I say, when I brought this one, you're very happy to read it loud. So read it out like, like war. What did I say? Like war. When you're there, say amen. Which version do we read now? The, the, the ones that the, the lawmakers will understand, though. And the one that, that's, you know, the one that's pointed. Let's just read a New American Standard, alright? Everybody. You can read New King James if you have that also, but we'll read to verse 3. Is that okay? Are you ready? One to let's go. Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who walk out evil on their beds. When morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. Verse 2. They covet fields, then seize them, and houses, and take them away. They rob a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Verse 3. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am planning against this family a calamity, from which they cannot remove your heads, and you will not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. If you hear this, you still do evil. And you are a hopeless case. This word has gone forth. And it will entrench righteousness in this land. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Concerning lawmaking, we pray in Nigeria of today. Thus says the Lord. Woe to those who scheme iniquity. They gather in hotel rooms and their houses and offices and they work out evil. 
so that when they return to national assembly or even state assemblies, they carry them out. Why? Because it's in their power to do those things. They convert fields, people's lands, people's votes, people's elected, you know, people who are duly elected. They convert them and they seize them. They take houses, they take them away. They rob a man and his house, and they rob a man and his inheritance. Now, this is what the Lord is saying. I am bringing calamity against such people. Such a calamity from which they cannot remove their necks. Amen. I will remove their pride. Amen. Their reason for boasting. Amen. The reason for thinking they have power. Amen. For thus says the Lord, for them a time of evil is coming. Amen. It will happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said it will happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Open your Bibles quickly. Let's read Isaiah chapter 5. Now, I'm just giving this as an example. This is how we'll handle things. I have not said God should do anything. I've just read what he said he will do against a certain issue. I hope you're getting my point. I'm not taking sides with APC. I'm not taking sides with PDP. I've just said evil is evil and good is good. And if you want to switch it, this is God's word concerning you. That's what I've just said. Isaiah chapter 5. Remember, we are talking about the weapons of the intercessor. Let's read from verse um, 18 to verse 23. To ver- sorry, verse 24. Are you there? Yes, we are going to read from ver- verse 18 to verse 24. If you are ready, say amen. amen. Now what we are saying is that this is what God said he will do. That's what we are saying. From verse 18, one to let's go. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cause of falsehood. And sin as if with cut ropes. Who say, let him make speed. Let him hasten his work that we may see. Basically, it's in those who dare the Lord. And let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near. And come to pass that we may know it. 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are horrors in drinking wine and valiant in mixing strong drink. Who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Did you hear that? Now, everyone in power in Nigeria, listen to this. If you are doing any of this evil, woe to you. It's not my word, though. I'm a reporter. What do I call myself? Okay, let's say it in biblical English. I'm a prophet. We are prophets of God. God said, this is what I will do. I will bring disaster on those who drag iniquity with cause of falsehood. Who dare me? Who say, what will the Lord do? I will bring disaster upon those who call evil good and call good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness? Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? He said, I will bring disaster on those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. He said, I will bring disaster upon those who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the one who is in the right. Listen. Woe to every such doer in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
It's a prophetic word. It's not an angry word. It's not a political word. It's a prophetic word. We are saying, listen to me, that evil will not prosper in this land. Please, know these scriptures. Put it on your status and address it to lawmakers. Please, if you are listening to me, please do this for me as a favor. Put it on your status. Send it to child groups. You know why? Eventually it will get to somebody who the Lord wants to warn. That thus says the Lord. We quoted from Isaiah chapter 5. We read from 18 to 23 now, right? We read earlier from Micah chapter 2. We read from verses 1 to 3. That's it. Let's read that Psalm 21 again. I'm just using this electoral bill as an example. You don't call names. Please don't pray prayers that divide north and south. Can I quickly say that? Many times when people want to pray, they are praying against a tribe, against a group. They are praying against APC or praying against PDP. Don't do that. Pray on the side of righteousness. What did I say? Pray on the side of righteousness. Yes, pray on the side of righteousness and truth. That's what you're supposed to do. Just stand on the side of righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. What we have said now is God. Let right be done. Approach everyone who stands against justice. That's all. That's all. And you will take this and declare it regularly. Now, until this matter is over, I will be, I will be, in fact, the brother who he and I were chatting, I just sent the scriptures to him. He said, like, bros, no need, to, no need for panic. Let the world ride and solve the situation. In Nigeria of today, listen, let me just say something to you quickly. It will happen. We will, never, we will no longer call the crook generous. The Lord of justice will arise against every crook that we have called generous. Amen. You know, before people will go and steal and come and give. I hope you get my point. If you are like that, you will not prosper in this environment. Amen. The very air of this nation will reject you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. And yeah, that's what we are saying. That's what people, the church is supposed to say. We are not, listen, we are not playing politics. I don't play tribal politics. You know me. I don't play regional politics. It's our turn. It's not our turn. <laughs> it's not my politics. My politics is righteousness. My politics is, is truth. My politics is justice. So I take the word of the Lord and I lift it into the air. That is the only prayer Christians are supposed to pray. You want to pray for a nation? Like I said, intercession is by faith. It's not by my own... You know, the, the, the problem the church has had in Nigeria is that we have, not, we have been too... Worldly. We, are not, we have not been church. We have been world. I hope you're getting my point. So that an average Christian shares the same opinion as an average unbeliever. It's wrong. Like I was saying the other time, how many people say divide this country have ever gone in prayer to say, God, do you really have a purpose for this nation? That's number one. How many of them have gone to pray and say, Lord, how will dividing this country solve evangelism problems? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Ask one of them, especially the ministers amongst them. That how will it increase the spread of the gospel in all the land mass that we have today? If the person cannot tell you, you won't tell the person you are of Satan. Yeah, you have to be satanic. If Jesus Christ does not matter to you, you are satanic. You know what Jesus said to Peter? He said, get behind me what? Satan. Why did he say get behind me Satan? He said, you mind the things of man, not the things of God. Ask yourself, this thing I'm saying. 
how is it the thing of God? Because what God is doing in, on the earth is just one thing. I hope you know that. It's just one thing. Exalting the Son, Jesus Christ. Everything is centered around this. Everything is centered around this. And in your personal life, when you want to make decisions, please, bear it in mind. Ask yourself, this is what I'm planning to do. How is he exalting the Lord? And the Lord has many manifestations. What I mean by manifestations is that, listen, how is he exalting righteousness? How is he exalting faithfulness? These are the traits of godliness. You know, there's a prayer I prayed the other day. I don't know how many... No, I, I, I dropped the prayer. Just to give us an, 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 an example of when I'm talking about the things that God wants us to love. The thing that God wants us to, you know, have in mind. Let me just see whether I can really find this, the prayer. Yes, yes, I think I just remembered it. Nice. Psalm 69, verse 9. Just to give an idea, please, of what I mean when I say, listen, how is what I'm thinking? How is it exalting the purpose of God? Again, I just have something in my mind. Let me drop it quickly. I feel the Holy Spirit said I should say this. Please teach your friends these things, though. What did I say? Teach it on your Facebook page. This is what I will say. Take these scriptures as an example. Paste them there and explain to people why you are pasting it there. I hope you're getting my point. When these issues come up, anything you have learned, the Bible says those that turn many to righteousness will shine as stars of the firmament. Teach it to other people. We need a critical mass knowing and walking the truth in this nation. We do. Because our pastors say, hey, my father, it's as if sometimes the louder they are, the more nonsense they speak. It's embarrassing. You know, I was teaching somewhere yesterday in my elderly people's fellowship. We call it Senior Citizens Fellowship. We just, I was teaching yesterday on the place of rest, talking about Christ and all of that. Then I remembered when a big, one of the big nationalists in Nigeria, let me not mention this, we are streaming online now, when he died, and they gathered all the, you know what they call top of the food chain? You know what they call top of the food chain? Politically, gathered them in Nigeria, in Enugu in our para square, and they gave one of us a microphone to preach. I was embarrassed. Why are we ashamed of Jesus Christ? They didn't say it's a political meeting. They say it's a barrier. It's a church service. They gave you that to preach. So what I'm going to say is that they invited you as a pastor. And the man spent 45 minutes talking politics. You know? You know? Lord, we reject pride, though, in Jesus' name. But you feel like saying, God, why didn't you just give me that microphone? Am I going to preach deep revelation? No. Paul said, no, no, no. It's just Christ, I'm him crucified. I said, that was the opportunity to tell. You know, Muslims came for that. You know, it was a national event. It's, just a, it's a kind of event that should have happened in Abuja. In fact, a part happened in Abuja. But the man is going to be buried down east here. So they came to do the eastern one, and they gathered everybody in um, in our Okara Square. And I'm hearing discussion on politics. You know the time we should have just simply said, Jesus is the hope of this nation. You don't have to explain it. People say you have to be practical. No! Speak the word of God. The Holy Spirit knows how to make himself practical. That was what I preached yesterday. Somebody said, hey, please, can I have that message? I said, division is outside Christ. That when you're outside Christ, there's Gentile, there's Jew. Amongst the Jews, there are 12 tribes. Amongst the Gentiles, there are Hittites. <laughs> they are all, I said, 
But once you enter into Christ, all divisions disappear. He has made both bodies into one. The wall of partition is broken. God doesn't have any deliverance for anybody apart from Christ Jesus. Family deliverance is a joke. People say, you're wearing deliverance. Look, there's only one family deliverance in the Bible. Cornelius gathered the whole family to come and hear the gospel. That's deliverance. The jailer that had Paul and Silas in prison gathered the whole family. All of them were baptized. That is deliverance. Deliverance is only in Christ. If you want your whole family delivered, gather them in one place and get a hot fire on, on, on fire preacher who preaches Christ to preach to them. Everyone who believes is delivered. What I want to say, not nice, but the truth. And everyone who refuses to believe will continue to go down until one day you come and say that person has died. Because when deliverance time comes, you either get in or you will be lost. In the time of deliverance, no joko. The solution is Christ Jesus. And I say, you know, Christians think they have to be smart and teach people. You know, these are the steps to... You, you are not a politician. You don't even know it. What do you know? I was listening to the one clip from Ravi Zacharias. That man was anointed. The only thing... I'm giving you the word of God. The only thing you are allowed to say about Ravi Zacharias is that the man was powerfully anointed and he knew how to deliver the gospel even in the midst of those who don't believe in God. He spoke in United Nations. He said he knew the way they were. They didn't want him to talk church. But he, he said, how can I preach? I won't preach Christ. So I spoke at the end of the day. He said, I knew I would have less than three minutes to deliver the gospel about Jesus. I said, there's no problem. The Lord gave him the wisdom. He said, I, I told them a parable. And you've heard that parable before. The rich man who had this beautiful art gallery who died and they wanted to auction the artwork. And all the big, big men gathered to buy precious pieces of art. And then the auctioneer said, well, uh, there's one part of the wheel I should let you guys know. The man said, we must auction the portrait of the son first. So he had one not so fine portrait of his son. You understand? So they put it off for auction and all the art collectors did not bother. It was not by, by Picasso. It was not by Monet. It was not by, we see, Michelangelo. It's not by any of the big, big names they knew. It was just maybe one guy, you know, one local artist just drew the man's son. Okay, I've heard the part of the story before. The boy had died earlier. The little boy. So, uh, do I get a bid on this piece of artwork? Not nobody. Then one poor person bidded a few coins in his pocket. Going once, going twice, sold. All right, so they now got ready for the real bidding. And the man said, well, another part of the wheel says that whoever buys the sun gets the whole gallery. Do you get the point? Yes. They told them, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. Whoever has the son has everything. And he closed his message. <laughs> he, oh, he has given this. Look. He said, one man from an Islamic country at the end of the day, an ambassador, came to him and said, Brother Ravi, when we get to heaven, I will ask Jesus Christ to make me your roommate. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy is from an, it, it's a, one of those Middle Eastern countries. So he turned to the man and said, when you see Jesus, 
you wouldn't want me as a roommate. And the man said, that is true. And he walked away. This was the United Nations. Then they gathered Nigerians. You can't tell them this. I said we should open somewhere. Psalm 69, verse 6. He said, may those who wait for you not be ashamed because of me, O Lord God of hosts. May those who seek you not be dishonored through me, O God of Israel. Did you notice that? I'm talking about seeking God's purpose in everything. I saw this, I said, my God in heaven. <laughs> Did you hear that? David said, God, oh, please, oh, no matter what I do, let those who wait for you not be ashamed through me. A new living tradition says, don't let them, those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. Oh, just by the way, all those who are arranging fake churches and you are trapping those who are looking for the Lord, woe to you. Seriously, your own is over. Now keep on saying that thing. I know I won't stop saying it. Because you are polluting the air and you are driving men to unrighteousness into damnation. God said, no, I will not let you stand any further. Let's read the other one. I said we should read them. We can close. Our time is really gone. This is how to pray. These are intercessors pray. And we don't get tired of saying these things. Later on, we'll bring more scriptures. For time's sake, I, I will stop here, but I said we should open one now. What was that? I said we should open. Psalm what? Verse, um, did I tell you the verse? I didn't. Yes, okay. Psalm, um, yeah, let's read that. Psalm 21, verse 11. Okay, you know what we're going to do here? Eh? We're going to read all of this from verse 7 to verse 13. Can we rise to our feet, please? Because we're closing now. Why I quoted this before, right now, the Lord will arise. Somebody say Amen. amen. And everyone who plots evil against him and against righteousness, they will, they will be scattered. Amen. They will be scattered. Amen. How do I know? He said in verse 11, Though they intended evil against you, he was talking about the Lord, and they devised a plot, they will not succeed. That, we are activating this word. Though. The Lord will not let evil succeed in this land in Jesus' name. Amen. This electoral thing brought up that issue to our hearts again as people of God. And God is giving us an assignment. Please allow me to quote Derek Prince again. He said, in any nation where the church is established, the Lord holds the church responsible for whatever happens in that country. Politicians are preparing for 2023, right? Let me ask you a question. How is the church preparing? What the church often does is this. They will gather some people and say, go and see the different politicians. This is what we want. Somebody say foul. foul. Ah, say foul now. Foul. That is wrong. It is wrong. I mean, it is wrong. You cannot. Do you know God sees you as a church on a higher plane than even the president of the country? Yes. Your decisions are more powerful than that of the president. Do you understand that? As a church. As a church. It's just for all to be the church indeed. So you can't go and beg a politician and say, what will you give us when you get into power? If I were to meet politicians, what I would do is pray for you. If you are humble enough to get up and kneel down, my Father in heaven, you will be blessed. And I don't mean, you know, some people are very, they are hypocrites. They will kneel down for the camera. I mean the secret place. 
And you say, sir, I see you as a representative of the people of God and of Christ. Pray for me. I will send for oil and empty it on your head. And you will prosper. Honestly. First, all your, all your iniquity will disappear. God raised the church higher than human rulers. That's the point I want to make. We, we don't go to the, to the ruler and say, what do you do for Christians do it. Some actually support a, a, a politician, a candidate, so that when he gets into power, you will give them something. Shame, shame, shame on you. Shame. We don't do that. Listen, if you ever encounter a politician, pray for him. Pray for her. Tell the person God is going to reward righteousness. That's all. You don't need anything, no. If the president was my personal friend, I won't ask him for anything. It's a, it's a, personal, it's a personal decision, no. No, it's a personal decision. And I, and I know the decision has a reason. So when I come and say, ah, <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a particular very powerful politician in Nigeria who, well, for certain reasons I know you know personally, you know, one of my friends now called me and said, Banky, I hear that. You know, you told me that this guy, 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 I said, yes. He said, he explained to me why if we are the one doing the jobs, Nigeria will be blessed. The people who are getting the contracts are not executing. But since, <laughs> I didn't know how to tell him that. <laughs> oh boy, I know they do that kind of thing, you know. I said, you don't, you don't know me. You don't know me. I will never go to a politician to go and beg for anything. It removes the, it removes the power. I don't know how to say it. I can't preach again. After that, I will not be able to preach. When it's time to preach, I will be like, I'm lying. <laughs> I'm rather die in poverty. If my uncle becomes Nigerian president today, he won't see me in Abuja. Apart from the family, let's go and take photo. You know that kind of thing. Let's go and take photo. When I reach uncle, <laughs> I just have to enter here and take photo. Oh yeah? After we take photo, back to Enugu, back to preaching. I'm not lying to you. You know I'm not lying to you now. Do I need to tell you that? So anybody that can't believe it, better believe it. <laughs> Just by the way, God will lift you up in his own time. Amen. I said God will lift you up in your own time. Amen. There's a season for each individual. Let's read. That's what we should read. Noah was asking, how are we prepared for 2023? And that's the question. The church, prepare for 2023 with prayers like this. Prepare for 2023 with prayers like this. Just say to the internet of saying, what's the toggle in this country? Pray against it. How? Just look for the relevant scriptures like we have been reading and lift it up on a daily basis as a congregation. Before you say, Lord, we'll pray for the next election in Nigeria. Just says the Lord, then you read it out, everybody settle down. The word of God will go out and go and work. From verse 7, we're going to read to verse um, 13. Are you ready? One to let's go. But the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a fairy oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. 10. Their offspring you will destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. 11. Though they intended evil against you and devised a plot, they will not succeed. Now, read that again. Though they intended evil against you and devised a plot, 
they will not succeed. 12. For you will make them turn back. You will aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Amen. Amen. Say, in this country, Jesus will reign. Peace will reign. Righteousness will reign. Father God, we we raise your word against every troublemaker, every bandit, every kidnapper, every assassin, every armed robber. We say, in this nation, you will not succeed. Be uprooted in the name of Jesus. For the Lord our God is a Lord of hosts. Remember I said there's a name of God over every situation. You know the meaning of Lord of hosts? You know what it means? It means the Lord has his armies. It means the Lord is not a counselor. He's not just a peacemaker. When God wants to make peace, he compels peace. I don't know whether I get my point. That's what they call, you know, God's peace is what they call Lafayette Adole. You know what they call Lafayette Adole? What does it mean? Peace at all costs. If God says it is the time for peace, we tell everybody, time for peace. Those who love peace, who, are, who have sense, what do they do? Drop their weapons and sit down. Then when they sit down, he opens fire on everybody else standing with weapons in their hands. Then he kills all of them and that's it. What did I say? Everybody does remain and say, time for peace. And that's the prince of peace. Amen. You think prince of peace means a prince that doesn't cause trouble. No. It means that when he says peace time, he behaves troublemakers. I think we have not described God enough for the nation. We think he's an evangelistic God. Praise the Lord, oh sing. That's not how the praise of God is. When God is being praised, you understand? See, when the earth hears praises, it starts producing. It yields its increase. When God is praised, enemies scatter. Make God look like God that, like they say, grandmother God. He says, as weak as water. That's what somebody said, a bishop in England. I bet, let me prophesy. Every troublemaker, this is the word of the Lord. I am the Lord, the man of war. Amen. Say amen. That's the prophecy. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. He is the Lord, the man of war. Amen. He is the Lord, the man of war. Amen. He is the Lord of hosts. The word host means the armies from heaven. Yes. Let me tell you about the armies from heaven. One of them kills 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One. Not two. One. It's one of his soldiers. That is the, the heaven's armies. So troublemakers hear the word of God. I am the Lord of hosts. Amen. Take that one to the market. To interpret that. I pray God gives you understanding. We declare... In the name of Jesus, peace will reign in this land. Amen. We declare, in the name of Jesus, peace will reign in this land. Amen. And troublemakers will not prosper. Amen. Kidnappers will not prosper. Amen. Assassins will not prosper. Amen. Bandits will not prosper. Amen. Arm robbers will not endure. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whatever name you go by, once you bear weapons against the innocent, the Lord is against you. Amen. Let me say that again. No matter what name you go by, once you bear weapons against the innocent, the Lord of hosts is against you. Amen. From now on, meet your own destiny. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's give the Lord thanks. We have a few minutes to just give the Lord thanks. Thank him, thank him. Because he's good and he's great. And there's none like him. The Lord is mighty in praises. He's mighty in praises. Give him thanks.